Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Good morning, church family. It's good to be together today. We're kicking off, as Wes mentioned, this new series we're call, calling Locked In. And excited for this, that by locked in, we mean locked in on Jesus Christ as we do life. So that whatever we're going through, we are eyes fixed on Him. And as we see Him clearly, it's then that we become more like Him and we're fueled to do the good that He's called us to do. So the, the idea of locked in so that we become fit and faithful to the finish is the, the big idea. That idea of fitness, spiritual fitness, is the word that uh, we'll see in Colossians. Paul uses in Colossians 1.28. It's teleon, it's mature. None of us are perfect, but we can become mature or complete fit in Christ. And then the idea of faithful is just doing the good that God's called us to do. So fit and faithful and then to the finish. So we can say with Paul one day, I fought the good fight, I finished the race. And so that's the vision that uh, we have for this series. And I'm excited about it. It's going to be eight weeks. We're going to roll into, uh, so basically May and June. And then when we hit 4th of July, none of us will be perfect, but hopefully we'll all be a little more fit and faithful, more like Christ and ready to, uh, to follow him. So excited. Our text, as, as Wes mentioned, is Colossians. And this is a letter that Paul wrote to this church family, the theme of the letter is the supremacy of Jesus Christ in all things. And so it's going to be a, a, a rich study. Now, often as we get started, I'll share a I love his church moment, a, a story that just captures what God is doing among us. As I was reading through, soaking in the first eight verses that we'll cover today, I realized this is actually like one big I love his church moment. As Paul just celebrates, and in his greeting, he's, he's connecting with them, and you, you just feel the uplift of God's grace as we do life together as followers of Jesus. There's something that happens in the church family that, that only happens here, and God pours his grace as we do life together as followers of Jesus. We're, we're going hard after him together. He does his work, and so I was wrestling with this thinking what would be one word that would capture verses one to eight that, that we'll dig into today one word and the more I thought about it it was this word uplift it, it just um the picture that came to mind of hang gliders out in the west and if, if hang gliders when they take off off of a mountain that usually have a destination they want to get to how do they get to that destination and it's by catching the thermal and that thermal is the hot air, a pillar of warm air that is ascending because of the sun hitting the desert floor. And when they hit a thermal, their whole goal is simply stay in the thermal and ride that thing up. It's their elevator to the elevation that they need to get to their destination. And so, you know, they'll tight circle it in that thermal until they hit that spot, and then they'll just fly out and reach their destination. When I thought about the church, the the gathering of Jesus followers, and, and what we see in this text, it, what a great picture of, of that thermal. It, it's that uplift. It's when we get together, there's just, that helps us 
become more like Christ and do the will of, of God and the calling of Christ on our lives. And so that's the, the picture. You say, well, how do we do that? What's that look like? And in this text, we'll see five practices that emerge that we can practice to create uplift for one another. So as we go through this text, it's both, there's both a celebration aspect to it of so thankful to be in a, a community that, uh, of Christ followers, but then there's also that opportunity aspect. Am I doing these things to, to create uplift for those around me? Does that make sense? So the opportunity, the big opportunity of the day that beckons us is to create uplift to follow Christ as we do life together, uplift for, for each other. Quick context as we turn over to Colossians. This is a letter that Paul writes, the Apostle Paul, to a group of people he's never met. He hasn't been to this church, and yet he's connected with the church in that the guy who comes to see him is Epaphras, who was with Paul when Paul was in Ephesians, or Ephesus, and um, Epaphras came to Christ. Goes back to Colossae, this town, and shares his faith, and this church is birthed. It's a younger church. Scholars think it's somewhere between five and ten years old, and the time of Paul's writing, he's actually in prison, and so he's under house arrest. People can come visit him, and it's probably around 60 A.D. So the, uh, the issue that's facing, the reason Epaphras, this guy, comes and, and visits Paul is this problem that's going on with, in the church, which is some teaching that's saying, okay, you got Jesus, but you also need these other things to live close to God. And it was some scholars are, uh, we'll get into it a little later, but somewhat unclear on, it's not super clear what it is, possibly Jewish kind of mysticism, but you need these special do these other things, and, and then you'll really know God. And so that's the issue that this letter addresses. But today, we get to uh, drop into this greeting. So we'll read through it, and then we'll unpack it and uh, look at the five practices that emerge. So in verse 1, it says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God. Right there, you can see he's locked in on Jesus. The, the why of his life is serving Christ and Timothy, our brother, I love it that Timothy was his apprentice, but he's not like, hey, Timothy, my, you know, apprentice that's going to, is on, down here, it's, he's my brother, it's family. And isn't that a neat thing in the body of Christ where it's family? And he, he goes on, we see this emphasized in verse 2 as well, as he says, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. And I love that picture of Faithful is a theme that we'll come back to, but brothers and sisters, um, he says God's holy people, and I love that how he says it's not like my church or Timothy's church or somebody else, it's God's church, we're God's people, and we're God's holy people, which I'm sure the people in the city are like, is he talking to me? And we know the word holy there is where when we come to faith in Christ, holy means to be set apart for a special purpose. It doesn't mean we're perfect, we're pursuing purity in Christ, but, but this is their standing. They're in Colossae, and did you notice the phrase, in Colossae, in Christ? And I love that, the two locations where as followers of Jesus, we always live. We're, we're wherever we're at, and we're also in Christ. I've all, I was thinking, reading this this week, I hope the next time I get hit with the, I, hit a, I have a concussion, and I'm coming to, and they're like, John, do you know where you are? My first response will be, oh yeah, I'm in Christ. I'm in Christ. Now, as to my physical location, your guess is as good as mine, but I'm in Christ. <laughs> in Christ, in Colossae, in Christ, in Danville. We, uh, and then he goes on, grace and peace to you 
from God the Father. And I love that picture of, what's, what's Paul want for these people? Grace. Grace is God's favor that we don't deserve and peace, that all-encompassing shalom. Can you feel the uplift already in this text as he's talking to these people? It's just like, hey, just God's blessing, God's grace, peace. He goes on, he says, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of, of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all God's people. The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up in heaven for you and about what you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. Now, can you imagine the uplift if you were reading this in this church family on a Sunday and you're, you're hearing this and uh, just, man, pure uplift. Five practices that, that we read is happening as Paul speaks that we see are um, con- indicative of, of how we live as followers of Christ in community. The first one we see is we're praying for one another. First practice that, that creates uplift is we see it in verse 3 where he says, we always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you. How good is it to know you've got someone praying for you? It's what we do as followers of Jesus. It's, we're a praying community, aren't we? I love it where he says we. It's like, yep. How many times do you suppose Epaphras and Paul would get down on their knees and pray by name for these people, lifting them up? We talk about as a church family, you know, um, Ephesians, Paul calls us, God through Paul calls us to be praying all the time, all kinds of prayers on all occasions. Prayer, we don't, we say, often say, we don't have a prayer meeting. We pray in every meeting, and we're hopefully just praying all the time. Prayer as the breath of the soul, the oxygen that we breathe, this conversation that we have with God. And, and the prayer in, my, in view here is intercession, where as we're doing life with each other and needs arise, we're lifting each other up in prayer. Just, Lord, would you provide this for them and that for them? And, um, and, and as we pray for each other, what happens? Whew, uplift. It's how God works. We believe that God has ordained his sovereign plan is for his grace to be distributed to his people through the prayers of his people. He said, you have not because you ask not. And so that's what we do. We pray for each other all the time. And um, aren't you thankful to be part of a, a praying community? Somebody praying for you. And I love the picture of prayer that we get. What, when Paul and Epaphras would pray, what, what, what did that prayer meeting look like? Well, we get a window into it in Colossians chapter 4, verse 12. Epaphras shows up twice. This is the second time. Verse 12 says, Epaphras, who is one of you, and, and a servant of Christ Jesus sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in the will of God, mature and fully assured. That word wrestle, what, what comes, do we have any wrestlers in the house? Anybody wrestling? All right, we've got, we've got only one. So therefore, I was going to have you come up and do a quick wrestling match. But uh, and he's 
John's shaking, no. <laughs> when you wrestle, what, what do you do? All in energy. I don't know how long wrestling uh, rounds are, but I'm sure they're pretty short. And it's like, you're sweating, you're focused, there's a will to win, there's an urgency. And how good to know is, you've got a brother, you've got a sister who is wrestling for you. Wrestling for your well-being, wrestling for your faith in Christ, your love, wrestling for what you're going through. You know, it's what we do as God's people, isn't it? It kind of pumped me up to be like, I need to create uplift for those around me. Rosalie Wilson this week went in for back surgery, and you know, we had the opportunity on Thursday to just wrestle in prayer for her. Lord, lift her up, heal her, be with her surgeon. And even this morning, as I say this, how many of us can just go to God in prayer as, you, as even as we listen, Lord, bless her, give her peace, give her endurance to get through this season. When we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, death does not lay us out or put us into despair, but it's tough. It's a shadow. And we pray for each other. Lord, help your presence to be especially close to whoever it is. And this week, Matt and Jen Drakowski, Jen's sister-in-law, 40 years old, four children, she passed away. Her sister-in-law passed away. And what a gift to be able to come alongside them and just pray and uplift, um, comfort, God's peace. We pray for each other as we share the gospel, you know, and as we have opportunities to, to go out and, and we can say, hey, pray for me in this conversation this situation and help me have clarity and boldness and this morning we have thir thanks to your generosity 13 church planters in some of the darkest parts of this world doing church and seeking to share Christ with people who desperately need it and we get to pray for them and we'll have um, we'll hear from one at the end of the service today but with each prayer there's an uplift so thank you for praying thank you for creating the uplift even this morning as, as we gather today and um, we pray. Second practice we see emerge as we do life together as Christ followers is that of celebrating, we're celebrating progress. We see that in verse 3 where he says, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up in heaven. Here, what is Paul doing? He's celebrating their spiritual progress. And it's interesting, he identifies like core pieces of spiritual maturity. As we, as we set out to be like Christ, what's really important? And it, what we celebrate, we elevate as a value. We do that in our families. We hear Paul is doing that for us. And we do that as a faith family. Faith in, uh, we see here two primary things he's celebrating. Faith in Christ Jesus. And that's the treasure, that, that we would put our faith in him, trust him fully with the moment. But then also, that faith plays out in a love for all God's people. Faith and love, and he's celebrating these things. And then, where do these things come from? And I just love it that he highlights this hope. And guys, we're a hope-filled people, or a, a forward-looking people, aren't we? Hope is faith looking forward, and we're always looking to that day that we are with him. To, to this, the treasure that's stored up in heaven, the reward that's coming, the, uh, this world is not what we're living for. Hebrews 11, we are looking forward to a city whose, whose architect and builder is God, a city that's eternal, a place, perfect God, perfect place, perfect people, 
what's coming. And it's that hope that, that fuels our faith, but also our love and just keeps us, keeps us going. So Paul here is celebrating their progress. Now, question, did these people have some room for improvement, do you think? Church is pretty young. Well, if, if I know myself, and probably if we're all on it, we all have room for improvement until the day God calls us home. So why doesn't Paul go after that area of improvement? I think he's, he's creating a culture of encouragement. As parents, we, we find this struggle sometimes where our kids, growing up is not easy, is it? It's hard to do because growing up is basically failing forward. And, uh, and we are responsible as parents to train up our kids and help them in their failures. But so it is as we follow Christ. It's failing forward, isn't it? But as parents, there's a tendency, it could be a tendency to focus on that one thing our kid is not doing right now versus the thousand and one things they're, they are doing right. <laughs> now, we do need to come and help them in that one thing, but what's the tone of home that creates a culture that where you want to be there and you want to grow? It's a culture of encouragement where mom and dad are celebrating progress, you know, and lifting up all the things that are going right, and so it is here, and so may it be in the church family. You know, the older I get, the more amazed I am at the patience and gentleness of the Lord with me in my process of becoming like Him. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> Lord, you are putting up with my stuff, and gently, and then I hear Him whisper, John, that's the culture that, that I want you to help create in the body of Christ culture of encouragement yeah we all have stuff we're working on but you know what let's celebrate what we're doing well Paul's doing that right here celebrating their faith and he, in Colossians 2 2 he says it again my goal is that you would be encouraged in heart and united in love and a culture of of encouragement and celebration the uh, third practice we see emerging in this text is they're in verses 6b and following. It's the practice of sharing the gospel. We're sharing the gospel or the good news, confident that it is the power to transform everyone who believes. Paul says in 6b, in the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. So we're sharing the gospel. You say, well, what is the gospel? Well, what's he talking about here? The gospel that's bearing fruit. He sums it up in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 to 7, but it's, if, if we were to put it in, in a nutshell, it's simply this. The gospel, the good news is Christ died for our sin. He rose from the dead, and he offers eternal life to everyone who believes. Eternal life meaning the forgiveness of our sin and a restored relationship with our Heavenly Father forever this is the gospel this is the message that God has given us to share with those who do not know that and it is the hope of the world you know as a church family and as as parents this is the our primary goal is to pass this on to the next generation as a church family we gather to celebrate this to remind each other of the gospel but we also gather to encourage each other to be sharing it here Paul's in prison they might be thinking, okay, the apostle is locked up, and what's he telling them? Why does he say this? Guys, I'm locked up, but the gospel's not locked up. It's bearing fruit where? All over the world. Why? Because it is the power of God 
for salva the salvation of everyone who believes. It is the primary means through which God is working out his redemptive plan on planet earth today. A simple message of truth. Jesus Christ died for our sin, rose from the dead, lives today, and everyone who will trust him will receive forgiveness and a new life forever with God. Let's share that thing. Now, as he shares that, and I just talked about that, is anybody else feeling the uplift? Hmm. I, I dropped into a class a couple weeks ago where about 12 of you were gathered. Chad, Tyson were teaching this. It was on how to share our faith. I spent about 15 minutes in this class, and as I listened to you talk, I walked out of there just lit up to get busy sharing my faith. Like, Lord, you're at work all around me. Who is it? The brother at the DAC working out. You know, the neighbor, the share my faith uplift uplift as we share the gospel um, confident of its power we encourage each other to be about it and doing the same it seems that we're entering a unique season as a community post-covid i tell you what it, i know last year for a lot of people they say actually it was a good year for me whatever last year was it definitely tilled up the soul every one of our hearts didn't it and I can't help but think it, it, God was tilling up our hearts, preparing it for whatever truth he wanted us to receive. But for those who don't know him, the truth of the gospel, the hope of the gospel, and what an opportunity now as we can finally start to invite people to do life together and gather with us that we have to, to be thinking about who, who can we invite to Mother's Day next week or to Summerfest, Pump for Summerfest coming up the first Sunday in June where we gather to celebrate our life in Christ here and then go out and have a picnic of picnics, um, games and fun. And we've ordered dips, Danville dips ice cream on the house for everybody. We've got food trucks coming, rusted silo. If you haven't had their barbecue, a little taste of heaven on earth. And just going to be a fun day, but what a great day to invite a neighbor or a friend Softball league is launching, and so appreciate our, our team doing that. Uh, the Legans and Wes will be overseeing that, but it's going to run. Uh, we're, we've abbreviated it to five weeks, end of June through July. But for those of you who may have coworkers who like sports, or um, what an opportunity to come and share life together, invite somebody, but then with the hope and prayer of sharing the gospel. And I just want to say thank you to it as a church family. I know this time of year that. Um, the park is just full of softball, baseball, soccer, and so many of you involved in coaching and just loving on kids and families, and you're showing the gospel as you do life, but may I encourage you to be thinking about or just praying, Lord, give me opportunities to share the gospel and uh, be sensitive to where you may be working in, uh, in someone's life. The fourth practice that creates uplift as we do life together is is that of basking in God's grace. Verse, the last part of verse 6 says, Since the day you heard it, speaking of the gospel, and truly understood God's grace. I read that a couple months ago, and you know how sometimes a text will just jump out at you and tag you, and hadn't thought about that before, but the, the question came to my mind, do I truly understand God's grace? And, and I throw that out to you. Do you truly understand God's grace? And as I thought about that, the answer is, for me, was yes and no. Yes, I understand it's only by God's grace and providing Christ that I can enter into a relationship with God through faith in 
in Jesus and what he did for me on the cross. But no, I don't understand God's grace in that it is too deep, ocean deep, and wide, ocean wide, that we will spend eternity still trying to comprehend the grace of God because it just keeps growing and flowing to us. Grace is God's undeserved favor poured out to us through Christ. But what happens when we attempt to understand His grace and bask in it? You notice that? It, it changes us, transforms us. When we just stop and think, okay, past grace. That I love the text, uh, 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9, that says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. What Jesus did for me, his grace and the wealth that that means in my life. And, and then present grace, like where God says, whatever you're going through, my grace is sufficient. Whatever you're facing today, he's going to give you grace to get through it. And just think about that. And, and then future grace. Guys, the best is yet to come. Like we know, cannot comprehend the riches of God's grace that he is going to pour out on us unlimited grace for eternity and when we bask in that does anybody else getting an uplift <laughs> like i got no problems and lord i'm ready to go serve you i love you and I, and I don't serve you because i have to i serve you because of your grace <laughs> this is awesome mm. and we help each other with that like when we get together we Remind each other of God's grace. And then the last one here is the, uh, that we're faithfully serving one another. As we faithfully serve one another, it creates uplift. We see that in 7 and 8 with Epaphras. It says, you learned it from Epaphras, faithful servant, our dear fellow servant who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. I love these words. You might circle in your Bible. Faithful minister, our dear fellow servant, you know, Okay, this guy, Epaphras, why does this church exist? It's because a guy named Epaphras was faithful to do what God called him to do. Greatness in the kingdom of God is not all the big and better. It's being faithful to do whatever God calls us to do. It's a comfort to know God doesn't expect you to, to give what you don't have. But he does call us to be faithful to give what he has given us. To be a faithful servant. So means just showing up and serving him. Um, showing up to worship gathering and what a gift. And who knows how God's going to use just your presence in someone's life. Showing up to the person who doesn't know Christ. We're, we're all praying we, as a church family for one life. Somebody. And it's just being present in their life and praying for them and showing up in their life. Showing up in small group. And just, Lord, here I'm here to help serve, do whatever I can do to help this, this team. Showing up with God daily in his word through prayer and so that I might be spiritually fit to be a blessing to the people around me. And then showing up for ministry, just doing whatever it is in this season of life that, that God's called me to do. As we show up faithful, faithful servants, we create an uplift for each other and the work of God happens.
one ordinary person at a time, just showing up, being faithful, living for the well done of our, our Lord. All right, so the opportunity that's before us through this text today is simply this. What if we all, what if we all create uplift for one another as we do life together, as we pray for each other, as we celebrate the progress we see in each other, as we uh, share the gospel and encourage each other in sharing the gospel, as we help each other understand God's grace, and then as we just faithfully serve one another. What might God do in us and through us for his glory? A couple, uh, it was a couple Sundays, or uh, years ago actually, that a family was rolling through town and they stopped here at our church to worship with us. Afterwards, the mom came up right after and said, this is too good not to share. And she said, during the service, my son, he was probably around 10 years old, said to me, mom, what kind of church is this? And she said, I don't know. He thought for a moment and then he said, this is my kind of church. (laughs) And she totally made my day. And I like to think that it wasn't just our Reds Donuts in back that made this his kind of church, but that that little guy, struggling to verbalize it, felt the uplift of a group of people locked in on Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, it's, it's real, isn't it? It's where God's grace flows as we commit to be a blessing to each other, to create uplift for one another. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for the gift of being a part of what you're doing here on earth and to know you as the treasure, Lord, but then to be in your family and to uh, experience this uplift, but then to be a part of it. And we pray that you would help us to just do whatever it is you've called us to do, to uh, create uplift for the people around us. And Lord, I pray for each one here today, and I know everyone's going through something, and I just pray that that lift that they need would be provided, Lord, that you would meet them in ways that only you can through your body, and uh, just create that in their life. We love you, and we pray all this in the powerful name of Jesus, amen. Amen. You can remain seated through this last song, but I would invite you to think through these lyrics and pray uh, through these lyrics as we think about the, the word that we just heard this morning. What gift of grace is Jesus my Redeemer? There is no more for heaven now to give he is my joy my righteousness and freedom my steadfast love my deep and boundless peace to this i hold my hope is only jesus for my life is wholly bound to his oh how strange and divine i can sing all is mine yet not i but through christ in me no fate i dread 
I know I am forgiven The future's sure The price it has been paid For Jesus bled And suffered for my pardon And He was raised To overthrow the grave To this I hold my sin been defeated Jesus now and never is my plea oh the chains are released I can sing I am free at night I but through Christ in me with every breath I long to follow Jesus For He has said That He will bring me home And day by day I know He will renew me Until I stand With joy before the throne To this I hold my hope only Jesus all the glory evermore to Him when the race is complete still my lips shall repeat yet not I but through Christ in me yet not I but through Christ in me amen. amen well today's a special day as we welcome luke and laura humphrey and kids to be with us they're home for or uh, here for a season they live in the uae here for a season of reconnecting and refueling with family but um, today as i was thinking about our that word uplift just their presence and their ministry, their hearts is an uplift. You'll experience that here in a few moments, but would you join me in welcoming him this time? It is good to be with you. Um, so my family and I, for the last three and a half years, have lived in the United Arab Emirates. So, uh, and I am sorry, I've shared twice already this morning, so who knows what's going to come out of my mouth. I'm so <laughs> thankful that this is second service, because I could just keep talking, and we could go for 45 minutes, and there's not an, not an issue with that. Um, so we live in, uh, so let me introduce my family first. So my wife, Laura, my kids are May is seven, Karis is five, and Owen is three. And we live in the United Arab Emirates, which is a small Muslim country of about 10 million people sandwiched between Saudi Arabia and Oman and across the Gulf from Iran. We moved there uh, and we moved to the city of Dubai, which you guys know from the skyscrapers and all the glitz and all the glamour. We were in Dubai for about a year and a half before transitioning to the city of Alain, which is the fourth largest city in the UAE. It's about 750,000 people who live there, and it's right on the desert, between, uh, right on the Oman border. Unlike Dubai, which has the skyscrapers, Alain has worked really hard to preserve an Arabic feel. So they actually have building regulations that keep you from building a 
building too high because they want it to be more residential. They want it to be a place where the Emiratis can maintain their culture. It is in many ways the Emirati cultural capital of the UAE, and that's largely because of these palm oases. So the UAE is a young country, and prior to having oil or finding oil, it was a poor country. And so if you're a Bedouin who's going through the desert, where are you going to look to stop? Where there's water. Well, in our line, there are these palm oases spread all throughout the city. And so they were a place where the wealthy people, the rulers, would put their palaces and establish it. And so this is my kids walking through the palm oases right next to Sheikh Zayed's palace, the founder of the UAE, which has been turned into a museum. It's one of his palaces. He had a number of palaces. Uh, the city of Al-Ain continues to be a place where Emiratis are proud of their culture. Dubai is incredibly globalized, and we've told people Dubai doesn't really have a culture. Dubai has cultures. In the city of Al-Ain, there very much is an Emirati culture. This is right down the road from our house. A guy who is well-to-do, has four of these old Land Rovers. And these would be the Land Rovers that Sheikh Zayed, again, the founder of the UAE, would drive around the desert. He has them that are the colors of the UAE flag. And so every winter when the weather is cooler, by cooler I mean it's 80, so <laughs> the weather is much nicer than in the summer when it's about 115, this guy will roll out his land cruisers and he'll put them there. And it's just a reminder that says, I am proud to be an Emirati. I'm proud of my country. I'm proud of my city. Well, because the population of Align is about 70% expatriate, so that means that there's people coming from all over the world to live and to work, because the population of Align is expatriate, the government has allowed for people to have freedom to express themselves in worship or freedom to practice worship. Now, there are anti-conversion laws. You can't convert from one religion to the next legally. But if you are a Christian, you can gather for churches. And so I serve as a pastor in the UAE. This is a picture of our church right before COVID. So we were meeting in a convention center. We were the only church in town that was able to meet. We are one of two evangelical churches that are English-speaking in the city. So 750,000 people, two English-speaking evangelical churches, when English is the national language alongside Arabic. So there are a number of other smaller single-language congregations. The English is a single language, but more ethnic-specific congregations. We are one of two multi-ethnic congregations in the city that believe in the gospel. And this was a picture of us. We were about 200 people, 180 people on a Friday morning. We meet for church on Friday morning. This is a picture a couple of weeks ago, so a handful of weeks ago. We are no longer in the convention center. We are thankful that the government has allowed for us to be able to continue to meet, but it has been hard. So we are capped by the government at 60 people. Uh, we cannot have children in our worship services or couldn't prior to a couple weeks ago. So my children have gone to church more in this trip back to the U.S. than they have in the last year. We have to be spread apart, and we have to do everything in a mask, preaching, singing. What that means is that my eyebrows have gotten a lot of practice as I've tried to express myself when preaching through a face mask. You can see we have 104 members of our church, and we've been able to connect with them throughout COVID, which has been a huge blessing. We have 20 different nationalities represented in our church. We have people from the country of 
Ghana, from Nigeria, from Uganda. We have folks from Pakistan and India and South Africa and Philippines. And we also have some Europeans and Americans at our church. Our strategy as a family, so what we're trying to go out there and do as a family is relatively straightforward and simple. The first is that we want to equip the saints for the work of ministry inside the UAE. I'm a pastor, so as a pastor, my responsibility is to shepherd the flock of God entrusted to me and to equip them to be able to do the work of ministry. One of the reasons why we were so excited to be able to go and pastor a church in the UAE is because I can be the best evangelist in the world. I am one person. But if I get a church of 100 people living on mission, then our church can have an astronomically greater impact than a single person can have. And so we try to do that. These are two Ugandan brothers at our church. These guys work alongside Pakistanis. They share a room with another Muslim brother. They have opportunities to reach out with the gospel that I don't have. And so what do I do? So we meet together and we study the Bible together. We talk about things like marriage and life. I help them to grow in their faith. But we also help them to understand what it looks like to share Jesus with other people. How do you discern false teaching from true teaching? Both of these guys are from prosperity backgrounds and helping them understand how do, you, how do you communicate the blessings of Christianity? So how do you tell your Muslim neighbor the gospel in a way that he doesn't just think, oh, well, that's a good return on my earthly investment in that regard. Walking with those guys. We also want to equip the saints for the work of ministry outside the UAE. So everyone in the United Arab Emirates, other than the local population, we are on usually two-year work contracts. What that means is that we've been hired by a company to be able to be there for two years, and then we can renew our contract if it's not canceled or if it's available at the end. What that means is that it's a very transient place. People come and people go. It's, I've heard it described, it's kind of like college ministry for grown-ups in that way. And so this is a picture of me meeting with my friend Mark. Mark was a member of our church. His contract was up, and this is the last picture that we took before he transitioned back to the Philippines. And he was able to go from our city. Uh, he was an unbeliever when he came to the UAE. He actually came to faith at our church. So he came from a Catholic country to a Muslim country, met Jesus, now is sent back to the Catholic country as a missionary from the Muslim country. So how's that work? Well, that's what we want to see more and more of. We actually, in January, prior to COVID, I was able, so January 2020, I was able to visit one of our former members in the Philippines who had started a church because there wasn't a gospel preaching church in his city. And so I was able to visit, to encourage. We have another brother who's hoping to do the same thing in Ghana. And so we want to be a part of not just reaching the nations that are inside the UAE, but helping our church members live on mission while they're here and when they go home or to wherever the Lord leads them next so that we can see more and more people know Jesus through the UAE. And then finally, as a family, we try to reach the nations ourselves personally, so not just equipping, but we want to be able to reach the nations that are in the UAE. Uh, this picture is especially sweet because this picture was taken during COVID. So this is a member of our church. His mother, he's from Cameroon. His mother is an animistic uh, uh, follower, so she believes in the local African religions. He came to our church, became a Christian through the preaching of the word, the discipleship of the members. He was able to express his faith through baptism in the middle of COVID when we weren't sure what was going on. And so this was especially sweet to be able to see. But then we also have uh, our Muslim friends. And so this is a picture of our neighbors. Um, 
you can guess which ones are our neighbors. Uh, this is a picture of our neighbors who live right behind us. And so our family loves this family. Uh, we've spent countless hours with this family. Laura especially, my wife, has spent time walking with them, talking to them about Jesus, enjoying their culture and learning Arabic from them, practicing Arabic on them, being able to just show them the love. Uh, we were able to have them over to our house actually before we uh, flew back to the U.S. for this five-week trip. And one of the ladies who's not pictured here, she prayed for us. She got up in the middle of dinner and she was so struck by our hospitality and our love that she got up and she prayed for us. She prayed for us that we would have lots of money, lots of good health, and lots of children. So we're like, I'm good with two out of the three. Um, but we love this family. We, we love this family. And this picture was from our Christmas Eve service in 2019. So again, right before COVID. And it was so sweet that because we've spent time with them, because we told them about Jesus, because we've learned about them, they wanted to come and they wanted to see what we believe. And they wanted to sit under uh, the preaching of the word. They wanted to see what Christians think about Christmas. And so we were able to be there. And during the service, I was able to sit with Ied and Zied uh, and, and keep them entertained uh, while their parents <laughs> listened to the, to the gospel. So we are very encouraged by Westbridge. It's so sweet. I mean, I was just in, in a Sunday school class sharing, and that was incredibly sweet. It's always sweet to meet with the church planting team and be able to know that we are being cared for. We're being supported financially. We're also being lifted up in prayer. You talk about uplift. We experience that. When we get an email from someone, that we are reminded that we are, we are sent out, and we are supported by people who are faithfully interceding for us. And so we are so thankful to be able to be here. We love this church. Please keep praying for us. We get on a plane, Lord willing, tomorrow. Uh, and so we still need to get a negative test result back. Uh, I haven't checked my phone yet to see when that happens. But uh, you can pray for us and pray that we would be able to jump back in uh, to life and ministry in the UAE. Amen. Thanks. Right. Joe will come to pray us out. So I've been asked to pray for Luke and Laura and their kids as they head back and we may uplift them in more ways than one as they lift up to go <laughs> off <laughs> to the UAE. And then for us, as we remain here, because it's important for us to, to uplift them and for us to remember them in prayer in their work. So let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much and we can be part of your kingdom. Lord, we Thank you for what you have done for us, that you have saved us, and that we are here today solely by the gr grace that you have given to us and that you give us daily. Lord, we pray so much now for Luke and Laura and the kids as they head off. Lord, we pray for their health in, in these difficult times. We pray that you give them safety during their travel and that they will be able to, to uh, commence their ministry again in, in the local church there in the Emirates. Lord, we pray that the church will have been active in this uh, absence when they've been away and that they'll be able to commence the ministry again. Lord, we pray for the people there and the diverse cultures that they're involved with. Lord, this is a, a difficult uh, country to be in. And Lord, we pray that the witness will be strong. But then, Lord, we pray for us here too, that we may be faithful supporters uh, for them and we may uh, uphold them in prayer, may uplift them, Lord, and uh, that you will enable us to, to continue our support for them. In Jesus' name, amen.
If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.